Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, a constant refrain lately is why is Ireland so expensive? Economist Cormac Lucy says that much of it can be explained by the Big Mac. Good morning, Cormac Lucy. How are you? Hi, Bobby. Very good, thank you. Now, you might tell us a little bit about the history of this Big Mac index, Cormac. It was published by The Economist, but it's used as a barometer right across the world for, I suppose, price comparisons largely. That's right. What The Economist magazine does and regularly updates is they determine the cost of a Big Mac across countries all over the world in dollar terms. And they originally did this to disprove an economic theory. There's an economic theory called purchasing power parity. And it argues that things cost the same wherever you are in the world. And the economist said, well, that, that's not true. And here is the price of a Big Mac across the world. And when they examined it most recently, uh, they found, for example, that a Big Mac would have cost you 40% more in Switzerland than in the across the EU as an average, and a Big Mac, uh, you know, would have been only half the price in Romania compared to the EU average. Okay. Uh, so, so really, when you look at the Big Mac index in detail, it, it Big Macs are generally much more expensive in very prosperous countries, and they're much cheaper in poorer countries. And if we drill down a bit deeper there into, say, Bucharest versus your versus uh, Zurich. Um, okay, obvious things like wage rates would be the first one. Property costs would be another one. The, is the exchange rate taken out? It is so. It's it's taken out of it. So it's in it's in it's it's all converted into dollar terms. Okay, so if we look at wages then, and we look at I suppose energy costs, all the big costs that a business might endure. So these will vary, and is that generally the difference can you reconcile one with the other if you look at that you can if you look uh you know i just started my article using the big mac index as as the foundation and then i went into uh european eu statistical data to look at price levels across eu countries versus income levels across eu countries right and i was astonished at the level of correlation uh in other words High-cost countries like Ireland are typically high-income countries, and low-cost countries like Romania are typically uh, low-income countries. And, and really, our migration from being a relatively low-cost economy, say, when I was growing up in, in, in the 1970s and 1980s, to a high-cost economy today, that's really come in parallel with the growth in our incomes relative to the European average. And could we suggest that foreign direct investment which we see as a huge benefit to the Irish economy that could actually be driving up the cost of you know of doing business in Ireland because they pay so much better and they represent so. such a big proportion of our economy I think their foreign direct investment is the big uh, differentiating factor between Ireland today and Ireland in the 1970s and 1980s. I mean, we, we did have foreign direct investment back then, but the level we had back then was a small fraction of what we have now. Uh, the most recent information that we have on income levels uh, is that according to IDA Ireland, foreign direct investment companies were paying their staff on average 66,000 euros in 2019 
versus the national average wage then of 44,000. Right. So uh, th- th- that's putting, th- there's a sort of a cost, a wage cost pressure they're exerting that is then exerting pressure on indigenous companies that are also in the market competing for staff but have to compete with FDI companies paying a lot more on average. And what about then uh, the rate of income tax? Surely that play, that comes into play at some level as well. That would come into play as, as well. Uh, our income tax burden across the economy would be somewhat higher than in, in other countries. Right. Uh, where, where our income tax system is, is very different from others is the degree of uh, redistribution. So the high level incomes are taxed especially hard in Ireland. Low level and average incomes are taxed much lighter than in other countries. So uh, it, it's higher earners that are, are, are particularly hit by an Irish income tax system that is already extracting uh, a higher share of tax proceeds from income tax and by, and by fact that there are higher income earners, they can probably absorb more because they're getting paid so much more. Uh, tell us they, about... They can, but there's, there's a limit to how much you can... I mean, Sinn Féin are proposing to increase that disproportion even further. Uh, so, you know, at, at some point, diminishing returns may set in uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe we're going to un- undergo an experiment in a couple of years and find out whether that is the case. Yeah, and also the fact if you take, say, maybe the, the, you know, the business leaders of these multinationals, again, if taxation is higher for the managing director of a foreign direct company, again, they'll probably have to pay higher salaries and again, the costs keep going up to reflect that, No. In part, but they also have uh, some very nice aspects of income tax law yeah. where non-domiciled staff, in other words, if they bring in, let's say, a Brazilian software engineer uh, and he's been outside Ireland all his life uh, or her life, well, then uh, they get a particularly sweet tax deal for a number of years where they don't have to suffer the full effects of the Irish income tax system. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're... Uh, Sean O'Sheehan or Mary O'Shea and yeah. you're Irish Good luck uh, you to you <laughs> Tell us about the economic disease known as Dutch disease uh, Cormac Yeah this, this uh, was coined in Holland when they made a major gas discovery in the 1950s and they really started exploiting it in the 1970s and essentially what it explains is if uh, an economy gets a major one-off benefit that uh, affects a particular sector, that can drive up costs across the economy and make other competing sectors in that economy less competitive and uh, eventually force them to suffer job losses. So an Uh, example of that might be discovering oil off the West Coast and there's a whole oil boom. And we saw it in Aberdeen in the in the right. late 70s and early 80s, um, right. where it just became, everything there became so expensive. You know, you had to pay people treble the rates that you did in other parts of the UK. It would it be something like that. It just, it distorts the local economy because people will pay anything to fund this uh, fuel of a gold rush or an oil rush or whatever it might be. It, it, it puts the other elements of the economy that are not benefiting from this one-off uh, advance, it puts them under competitive cost pressure to match the sector that's booming. 
And I would contend that our indigenous private sector has been suffering from this in respect of the foreign direct investment sector for a number of decades. And I think one of the reasons for the relative underperformance of our indigenous sector is the fact that it's been suffering like this. So their costs are disproportionate to the foreign direct investors' costs? Is that like. They're, they're, they're disproportionate to what they would be if there was no FDI and if they were just competing with other Irish indigenous operators. If they were, say, in Wales, uh, where this problem didn't. for this factor wasn't at play, then they, 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 they would be able to get an operation up and running at, with less cost because their wage costs would be lower and their rent costs would be lower. Whereas if they're operating in a high income economy like Ireland today, they've got to pay higher wages and higher rents and that then affects their uh, viability. It also affects the number of operators that can survive at that cost level. Yeah, and and also you've got the fact that they don't have the maybe the corporate tax uh, benefit that the FDI company may enjoy. So again, it puts them at a competitive disadvantage in order to make profits. Potentially, uh, but I mean they can uh, they, they can incorporate they can get the low corporate tax rate. The challenge is getting the profits yeah. to be subject to any tax. That that's the challenge they're facing. Um, I suppose I just wanted to finish out Cormac about. You know, if we look at the landscape of the economy at the moment, there's fairly scary stuff happening. If we look at energy prices now, uh, we look at food inflation. Would you be concerned going into this winter? Oh, I would. Like we're suffering a massive economic shock on the energy front. Individuals and businesses are suffering a massive economic shock. Uh and that's going to put enormous pressure on the political system. The other thing that we're, we're not really facing up to, uh, if the government, and, and, and there are good reasons for the government to do this, but if the government says energy companies can't cut off your supply if you haven't paid them, and we're going to extend that period of, of grace to, let's say, 12 months, there's a real danger that there's going to be a colossal wave of non-payment of energy bills yeah. and, that, and that we end up with a situation on energy like we had with, with mortgages uh, 10, 15 years ago where there's, sort of, there's an economic debt problem building up below the surface. And would you be concerned as well that we mightn't uh, invest in wind energy and uh, basically alternative energy because... We're going to be so concerned with keeping the lights on uh, through the winter, and there might be disincentives uh, to energy up or to energy, particularly in wind, that people, if they if they decide to tax profits or something from these renewable companies, that there could be a long term backlash. Well, I have an even bigger concern, Bobby, and that is we do not have an energy minister. Yeah, uh, and mm. the, the government was due to bring out an energy. Uh, security plan a number of years ago. Uh, it's still not out. So we have to balance two things. We have to balance the long-term migration uh, away from carbon with our short-term need to keep things going. And the, 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 the risk is the modern economy is built on cheap energy. And now we're going to have to pay a very high price for energy. Now, one big piece of good news that isn't getting out there the shock we're suffering at the minute is primarily due to the Russians cutting off gas. Yeah. There is no global shortage of gas. So it's just a case of getting gas into our system. 
And we'll probably have to ship it in from other places in the world rather than pipe it in from Eastern, from Russia. Uh, so if, if once we re- replace that infrastructure with an infrastructure pointing in a different direction, okay, a lot of this energy crisis should unwind and we should see a reduced stress and reduced costs. Okay, we'll end on a good note. And, and thank you for ending on that positive note. Cormac Lucy, uh, always good to talk to you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.